Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. to another episode of the new EDU podcast. We are so excited for today's episode. We're talking about how to level up your teaching while focusing on your passions. And we're so excited Mm -hmm. to have this guest with us today. Yeah, he's a fantastic educator. Uh, We have known him for, oh my gosh, man, now that I think about it, probably almost eight years-ish, eight-ish years. Uh, He is a wonderful human being, one of the nicest individuals I've ever met in my entire life, but also one of the most brilliant minds. He loves reading and he loves all things books. (laughs) And that's even without being a teacher. He's always just been um, motivated by books and stories. And uh, we are so excited to have Juan Gonzalez here today. Yeah, you probably know him as Teaching Third with Mr. G, of course, on Instagram. Um, But we are so excited to chat with you, Juan. So welcome to the new EDU. Yay, thank you guys. I'm so so excited. What an intro. Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, well, we're gonna we're gonna let you introduce yourself because you know you we want you to tell us all about you and what you do right. um, specifically. We obviously have some of the things that we like to shout out, but give us a little bit more information about you. Yes, yeah, so my name is Juan Gonzalez. I am a fourth grade teacher right now in Texas. Um, I taught third grade for nine years, so that's why my Instagram handle is lives with third. But with everything that happened last year, I got the really unique opportunity to actually just take the third grade class that I didn't get to finish with and move over to fourth grade. And it's been such a dream. So currently teaching fourth grade, I love being in the classroom. I also share my teaching life online and um, I've built a community there and, and just get to share what I do in the classroom and hope that inspires others. So just a quick little me in a nutshell. That is so cool that you got to loop with your kids. Oh my goodness. Oh, so that's awesome. Yes. yes that's I am like a big advocate for looping. I think there's so many benefits to that with students. Like I went from first grade to second grade to third grade. So I had a very mm-hmm. unique experience she in that is. I looped with my kids for three years in a row. But man, like talk about perfect timing just because like you said, yeah. you didn't get to finish the year with them and now you're with them again. So what is your teaching situation? You're in person with them this year. Is that right? Yeah. So we started the school year virtually. Uh, I was also teaching in person and online, and that was a lot. Luckily, our admins saw that that was a lot. And so we were able to bring on a teacher who was solely the the virtual teacher. And then we just now I'm just face to face with those who have decided to come back. Um, So, yeah, face to face. Awesome. Awesome. It's a flexible year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you got to be. I feel like you can't even keep up with all the changes and depending on state and where everybody's located. And it's like every time I'm talking to somebody, it's something completely different. It's just so wild and crazy. But teachers are doing it and they're doing an incredible job. That is for sure. So as we mentioned, we're just so excited to talk to you because we know that on your platform, obviously, anybody who follows you or knows anything about you knows your passion for reading, for literacy, for books, for incorporating this into your classroom. And so we're excited to dive into that and talk about how 
you can use one of your passions to really ignite passion within your students and also within your classroom. So we're excited just to dive into that. Yeah. I mean, even thinking about that, I mean, I I remember you and I had a conversation probably about two, three weeks ago, and and you, you just restated this, that you just love teaching and you love just being able to share what you do inside of your classroom. But how did you realize that reading was just so important to who you were? It, at what age did that leave a lasting impact on you? Because you, you exude that passion with every ounce of your being without take teaching out of it. Like if, if you were not a teacher, you would do something with writing or reading or in some capacity, 100%. I know that. Where did that love come from? Yeah, thank you for that. For me, it's it's and this is I'm lo- I love that this is the topic because you know it's a it's a bigger discussion because for me it was innate. Like I grew up and there was just something about holding a book. There's something about knowing stories. So as a kid, it's always naturally been a part of who I was. And going into the classroom, the thing about passion, it's like of course I've always wanted to be a teacher. Like when I made that decision to that was what I wanted to build my career in. Passion gets you there, but then you get to the classroom and there's a whole lot more work yes. that you're not ever ready for. And so the passion gets you there. And then you have to realize like how do I now how do I do all the other things? Like when I think about like when I was first getting into in, in college and you're thinking about the classroom and building relationships and all the things that you're going to try. And then you get there and then you realize there's so much more, right? There's so much more that you have to learn. There's so much, so many more things. And so then I think when it comes to passion, passion's like an emotion, right? Like it gets, what yes. gets you excited? And so when, and I brought up this idea of like, when you first get to the classroom, you get there and then you got to find how to keep that motivation because sometimes people start taking those hits. Like, oh my gosh, all the paperwork. Oh my gosh, all the work that I didn't know that was going to be part of this career. And so when you pay attention to that passion, that thing that excites you, that beyond you know, the classroom and the students, um, and you start working that into how you move and how you talk in the classroom, all of a sudden, now you have this thing that just excites you mm-hmm. and you can build it into the things that you do. And now the things that feel undoable are doable because you, you're putting that little, those little pieces of you. And so for me, like I said, it was innate. I loved reading and I thought I was going to get to the classroom and kids are going to feel the same. And holy moly, it is not the same. It is not the same. And so when we want, I, for me, what I've realized in my time in the classroom, like if we want our students to be excited about the things we do, it's important how we talk and how we move. And I, and I, and I also want to say, like, I think it looks different for everybody, right? Like, I don't know if I move and talk the same when I'm teaching science or when I'm teaching math, but mm. boy, in my ELA block, it's, <laughs> you know, it's a whole different ball game. But and then, and, and like kind of to side note off of that, kids know authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like that is what I know for sure. And so when you come into that classroom as you, whatever you look like, however you are, that's how you bring kids in. So, yeah, I don't know what else to add to that except like passion. It's I'm getting excited talking about it, but there's so <laughs> many like components to it. This is so good because, you know, we feel the same way about, first of all, that passion looks different for every single person. And that's why not you shouldn't walk into one teacher's classroom and it look the same, right? Every teacher's classroom that you walk into, truly, it should look different. Like we understand best instructional practices and best practices as educators. Yes, of course. But as far as how it looks for every single educator, I think that is the beauty of education for kids because they're able to see lots of different people. And I think that the piece that you hit on that was big for me. And I was like, yes, that right there is it is the authenticity piece, Mm -hmm. right? The piece where you show up authentically as yourself, because here's the deal. 
nowadays that we have social media, right? And we all have different platforms. And oh my gosh, there's like, I mean, I don't know if Juan, if you remember like back in the day when there was like a few teaching blogs and like that was it. And then now all of a sudden, you know, it's just like, boom, teachers everywhere, (laughs) which is amazing for a lot of new teachers, a lot of young teachers, you know, you can get caught up in trying to, oh, I see somebody that I really look up to and I've got to be exactly like them. Mm. But that doesn't lead to what I see like just coming through the screen right now and coming through through my my earpiece even is your passion. And the reason that you get so excited talking about it is because it is authentically you. And that is mm. what truly makes you, you know, you can't really be excited about someone else's passion. It's impossible. No, you you can't. And as I'm sitting here, like I, I, you're sitting beside me and Juan's over there. And I'm kind of on the outside, but there's a lot of similarities between you two and and your love for reading and your love for storytelling. But I know for a fact, if I were to walk, if y'all taught at the same school and I walked into Juan's room, his passion and the way he teaches reading would look completely different than what yours does. But that passion and that excitement would still be there. And one other thing that that I really love that you said, Juan, was about being authentic and and how you you go in and you're trying to exude that passion and and when you're teaching science or math or, but when you, when it comes to ELA or your writing block, your reading block, you, you know, matter of fact, it, it looks a lot different than this because that's what you're, not that you're saying, oh, I'm not excited about science or I'm not excited about math. You you never said that you said authentically, I'm going to be more excited for my reading time and my ELA time, because that's what makes me excited. And going back to what you said, I mean, you, when you started teaching science, you got really excited about teaching science as well. And so it's okay to change those aspects and and to pull them in because at the end of the day, I mean, as teachers, we're storytellers. And yeah. you hit on that at the very beginning. Again, you hit on a lot of things. I know I'm going all over the place. But yeah. at the beginning, you, you said, I, I fell in love with, with stories. And as teachers, in whatever we do, whatever we do, we are a storyteller. And so I think in some aspects, we're all passionate in that way. I want to ask you too, because as a reading, also someone who has a love for reading, and I, you know, it has always been my hope and my goal and my dream that obviously my passion would be a passion of my students. You know, you want for kids to love reading, but I love that you pointed out that, you know, it's just not the real, as much as you hope you walk into a classroom and all kids love to read, like it's not necessarily true. And some, in my situations, I've noticed that it's more less true than actual true because most of the time, students, you really have to build that. So yeah. how have you been able to take your passion and while, again, you want for your students to show up authentically and have their mm-hmm. different areas of interest, how have you been able to take this and build within your classroom a community yes. of readers that's wow. around your that's passion? Good. Yeah, and I I love that question because what I think happened with reading instruction is because it's like one of the big tested subjects, right? And so then teachers get into this mix of like, especially in the upper elementary, teachers get in this idea that reading is asking questions and passages, and that is a component of reading. And I think what's happened is that people thought that's the focus and that's all we do. But the reality is, is that when we talk to students as readers, when we show them what a readerly life is possible, and also when we just give them the freedom to just call, like to me, I love talking to teachers about reading identity. I think so, so, so many of the students that come to my class don't know who they are as readers, what they like, what they enjoy. And so the moment that you give them that power to say like, find what you love and let's figure it out together, that's where the building happens. And so when we start putting all these 
these like staples and these things that tie them down to what these kids think reading is. And we start letting them explore. They start, and to me, like I always tell my students, like we love Netflix, we love video games. Let's bring books to the party. It's the same thing. It's yeah. the same thing. You love video games because you love problem solving and you love the stories that it tells. You love watching video movies and television shows because of the storytelling. The books are the same. And I think that 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 conversation of what books are has left. And so for me, it's so important to bring that back because when kids realize that, when they realize what a readerly life gives them, then they start to want that taste. And so, and I think like for myself, like I said, reading's innate and it came with me and that's who I was, but I've also seen it. One of my partner teachers calls when you get the home run book for the kid, like the mm. book that takes them and it's the book that like, this is it. Like now I'm a reader for life. And that, that is for me, like another passion in the classroom to find that book, to get the kid to want to read the next book. And that's what it's about. And know that every journey looks the same. Some of those journeys are quick and fast. And some of them, you're going to be working on it all year long. But we can't give up on it. It takes effort. And I'm raising my <laughs> hand here but, but because <laughs> I I was that student. Uh, I was that <laughs> student. And, and, and Hope can testify again. I feel like I'm a student in both of your classrooms right now. <laughs> but exactly what you just said, Hope would tell me this all the time because I would say, I just don't like reading. I just don't like to read. I'm not a reader. And just like what you just said, Juan, and and Hope goes, Wade, you read about current events all the time. You read about history all the time. You're mm-hmm. you're you're reading about comic books all the time. I'm like, oh, I do, I, I do love you, to read. Since we've had a, a child, Juan, mm-hmm. he has become an avid researcher. He can tell you everything that you want to know about babies and schedules and and myths and truths and lies and all the That's things right. about I, kids. But, 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 it, but it goes to your point, Juan, of we've got to invest in our students. It's not going to, sometimes you'll get it right off the bat. Sometimes it may take all year long, but we can't give up on them because they do have interests, but it takes an investment to find out what they're interested in. And it takes effort to continuously look for what they are passionate about to ignite that passion for reading. Because I mean, we have, they have got to read. Period. Period. They've got to read. They've got to comprehend, and they have to have a love for it to understand how important it is to keep it going in the future, too. Yeah, I yep. mean, just I love what you said about the home run book. I'm like, know, that, that was is, always ooh. such a goal for me, too. Like, you know, when kids would tell me that they hate they hated reading, you know, when I early on in my career, I was like, oh my gosh, well, what am I going to do about this? And later on, I saw it as a challenge. I was like, okay, yes. oh, you think you do? Okay, all right, well, let's let's figure it out together. And so I love that you talk about that home run book and just how important it is, again, for kids who maybe are hesitant readers for many different reasons, right? Especially as they get in the upper grades, finding something, it's not just about them reading, it's about them reading what they really love. And I think that that's really where you start to see that passion start to grow. Yeah. I just also want to acknowledge that I know sometimes some of the teachers, like your passion is math and you're teaching reading, and it's hard to come in and be a reading teacher when you don't have a passion for it. And so if you're listening, I want to acknowledge you because in the same idea that we can build kids up, you can do the same. We know that reading is important and we want to share, you know, the amount of books that kids read is what's most important. So you, even if you are sitting here and you're like, you know, I feel the same way. Like, I don't know how to teach it well. I don't know how to enjoy it step by step. And the more that you do it and the more books that you learn and the more authors that you learn, you're going to find yourself 
finding those books that you're going to be excited to share. So in the same way that you want to build kids up and you're not there yourself, I think, think of yourself as the kid and, and take that journey on and you'll see, because all of us teachers, it takes time to build and everything that we do. Mm. So if you're a teacher who is struggling with finding that passion for reading step-by-step. Step. I mean, that's so powerful. Advice, that's yeah. so, so powerful. And it's just a great reminder that, and we've said it many times on this podcast, we're not preparing kids for our past, but we're preparing them for their future. And anytime, I mean, if if you aren't departmentalized and you have to teach multiple content areas too, you should never ever, and this goes to your point again, you should never ever say, oh, okay, guys, I don't like writing whatever so-and-so either. You, you may be putting a roadblock in front of the next greatest author, New York Times bestseller that has never been. If you go in there thinking, uh, thinking like that. And then, I mean, kids are impressionable. And if you, yeah. if you put that on them, they're, they're, they're truly going to believe, oh, my teacher doesn't like writing. I'm not going to like it. My teacher doesn't like reading. I'm not going to like it either. And so, yeah, exactly like what you said. I mean, same things that our kids need. We need to look at that as our, inside of ourselves too. Hope you talked about it earlier in a different mindset of when we're getting burnt out or we're tired or we're exhausted, how would you talk to your students? Mm -hmm. We need to talk to ourselves in the same way and in this role as well. As you're working with your students, and obviously we want to, um, I was actually going to ask you another question, but something that you said kind of led me into this first, so I'll get to the other one. But as we work with young readers, obviously, you know, we want to partner with parents. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents are saying the same thing, you know, that they have never had a passion for reading and they've never, you know, and then we, as teachers, we give kids reading logs and we expect that they fill out these reading logs and they have their parents sign it. And there's this, you know, whole conversation yeah. about, yes, we want for our students to practice because, you know, with anything, practice just enhances our abilities and, and develops a stronger mm -hmm. love for reading. How are you in your classroom partnering with your parents to help them support their, their children at home or, mm -hmm. or on that same note, what tips do you have for parents? Parents who are maybe, you know, they want to develop a love of reading for their kids at home, but they're not quite seeing that passion just yet. Yeah. So first I want to say I've never met a parent who doesn't want their child to be a reader, even if they didn't grow up with a readerly life. I think there's so much data now and there's so much we know that there is. For me, the reason I, I want to build readers is because we know that when they are efficient readers, Everything else in the, in the area of academics is going to be simpler. It's going to be easier for them because they're going to be able to comprehend. And as, as they go into you know, middle school, everything is reading. And so I want to build them that so that they, in, they can enjoy school more. And so in the same way that I built my identity on social media with reading, um, I let my parents know the same thing. And I also want to make sure that my parents understand that reading isn't what we used to think where we set a timer and there has to be a reading log oh, and you have wow. to read every yeah. single day. It's, and this is why I talk about a readerly life. Let's talk about what reading life looks like. Sometimes we find some great books and we're in it and we're reading every night and we're loving it. And sometimes it's hard to get on that bandwagon and we fall off. But what's important is that we don't give up and we keep going. So having that conversation with them the way that I am with you, they see my passion. And then all of a sudden they know how to have those conversations with their students. And it's not this thing in their home that's bogging them down or causing stress. It's really something that it's a life, it's a life habit that we're trying to build in them. So in that same way, we have to take away all the things that are keeping us away from building readers and remember to focus on who they are and build them up from there. And I think 
you know, I love the teachers that I had and they all had these good intentions, but as you, like, if you've been a seasoned teacher, the more you teach, the more, you know, and mm-hmm. when you know better, you do better. Yeah. I mean, if I were a parent sitting at a, a parent teacher conference with you right now, I would feel so <laughs> motivated and just, <laughs> just, just hearing that it, it's going to be okay. And you are going to have those hard yeah. times and that's fine, but let's get back on it. But also, you know, I think Whatever it's, it looks like. it's such a good point because you think about, you know, wanting to build, and I love that you phrased it as a reading life, like it's a lifestyle, right? right? And so you think about the impact that it can have for, say you say you are, you know, following the reading logs or you're wanting, looking for kids to read 30 minutes every night or something specific like that. Then you're really putting parents and students at this point where they're going to have arguments. They're going to have, you know, you're going to be having a parent say, you have to, before you can do anything else, you have to sit down and you have to do this reading for 30 Mm -hmm. minutes. And while I do think there's something to be said for habits and yes, forming good, strong habits, right? You know, study habits and all of those things. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about reading and wanting to develop maybe a passion or help a student find their passion for something that's not quite there yet, it's really not going to be successful to set them up for failure. And mm-hmm. when we're putting a timestamp on something or we're telling parents, this is what has to be done, you are setting kids up for, you know, not wanting to do it, the parents forcing them to do it. And then what type of reading behaviors are we really creating mm. in our students? It, I think this is what makes reading instruction so tricky is because I always call it like a bowl of spaghetti noodles. It's just a lot of things intertwined happening all the time. And it's not finite like the other academics. You have to really understand, like pull out one thing. Let's look <laughs> at it. And then you drop it back in. It's like, then you have to do it all while you're reading. Okay. That's you, right. That's right. And oh, so wow. like with readers, I think it's so important to know that maybe you're going to have a student who flourishes under a timer and likes doing a reading log. Pay attention to who your students are and how they best benefit. And if the reading logs and the timers are causing stress, take them away. But if they're if it's, it's helping them, you can give it to them too. So again, I think it's because I know you might hear this. And if you're doing a reading log or you're ta- talking about timers, go back to really paying attention to your students. And if you're struggling with one, what are some things that you can take away or give to help them keep going? Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we forget a lot of times as educators is we think, okay, I I have to be fair. And Mm -hmm. fair doesn't always mean equal or, you know, exactly the same. And I think that that's such a powerful concept and thing that, you know, as teachers, sometimes we just need to step back and say, okay, what am I implementing Mm -hmm. and how is this impacting or affecting each child? Because like you said, I was a student who thrived on timers and reading logs. And, you know, I I was one of those that I'm like, oh, they said 30 minutes. I'm going to read for an hour. And that's just, you know, that's the kind of student that I was. And I was the student who would just forge a parent's name. (laughs) And Wade was the opposite. (laughs) Wade was the opposite. (laughs) But, you know, I think recognizing, you know, that we need to, again, we're not, just teaching. I know this is such a cliche saying and things that we say all the time, but this is the point Mm -hmm. is that we're not teaching standards. We're teaching students. And so recognizing, like you said, that this even reading practices, you know, it has to be very student centered. So I love how you phrased it. Recognize what you can give, but also Mm -hmm. recognize what you can take away as well. That's the power that you hold as a teacher. And I think, and if you think back to like when my, when I first started teaching, like the things that you implemented, right? Like you kind of flinched and and you're kind of embarrassed of the things because you, when you realize and you ask yourself, what is it that I'm trying to teach here? What am I, what am I showing my students? And then, but once you have that self-reflection and you realize that moving forward, it's more you, it's more authentic, the work that you're doing with your students. And so you can look back on that and say, never again, 
Yeah. And then start being better. That's right. And, you know, I mean, this is this is such valuable advice for, you know, whether you're talking about reading instruction or any type, you know, any type oh, of instruction. Absolutely. When you yes. start talking about, you know, my mind immediately goes to math and, you know, those time tests and the stress mm -hmm. that that can put on students. Mm -hmm. And what are we really getting accomplished during that mm -hmm. time? But then again, for some students, that's very valuable. It's something that motivates mm -hmm. them. And so oh, I love I those. Think, oh, man, I wanted to win. <laughs> so there we go with the competitive edge in math. See, total opposite <laughs> over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think, you know, again, to recognize the practices that we have in place and how they are truly impacting every single individual child versus our classroom as a yeah. whole, right? So this is my next question that I wanted to ask you, though, because I know we've covered a lot in reading specifically, focusing on your passion and how you bring this into mm -hmm. your classroom. You know, obviously... Mm -hmm for us when, you know, reading instruction is, is, or reading just in general is such a huge passion of ours. We can't just teach reading all day or can we is right. the question or can we is the question. <laughs> how but, I? How, how yeah, I? Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. But how do you take this passion that you have and integrate it into other content areas that maybe yeah. you're not as excited mm -hmm. to teach mm -hmm. so that it's not necessarily about what you're teaching, but it's how you're teaching it that really gets you excited and motivated as the educator? That's such a good question. And, you know, I think when we think about like when you if it's like at a job interview or first date and someone's like, what are you passionate about? Right. Like to me, like instantly, like I'm clinching and it's like, I don't want to share these things that make me excited because you're going to think I'm a buffoon or something. <laughs> and so with the things that get us excited, you got to think about those. And so like for me, uh, math was a struggle. Like it wasn't I, I got through it, but I just I didn't I didn't fully process it like I understand it now as a teacher. And so when I'm teaching math, I hold on to these things that I know that I did. I feel like I didn't see or I didn't receive. And so that passion of like wanting to explain it well, want, wanting to make sure that no one in, that's in my classroom is feeling like what I remember, how it felt when I was being instructed. So holding on to those types of memories. So I think like going back and reflecting to your experience in school and like, what did you not like? And so when and now that you have the opportunity to have a platform and teach, how do you not do those things so you're benefiting all the students? And so, again, for me, like outside, outside of me being a teacher, and sometimes I feel like that's all I am, right? Because I'm doing mm -hmm. it in my career and I'm doing it on social media. But who I am is somebody who loves being around family, loves learning about the world, loves having conversations. And so when I teach, I want that to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. I want it to feel like you're at the dinner table with me and we have some good food and we're having a conversation because that's how, how I'm most excited to deliver something that I'm not going to be excited about. And then again, taking inspiration from others. I think that's so important. Like right now in social media, it's beautiful that we get to actually look into people's classroom and let that inspire us, but know that it doesn't have to look that way. And I remember I had to learn that the hard way. Like I was one of those people that was like, I need to be this way. And then you realize it's like, you know, that's not there for you to mimic. It's there for you to get inspired. And mm -hmm. so when you allow yourself to be inspired, you can take those moments and say, where can I implement that to help me be better? And so looking for those pockets and using social media as a really huge tool for inspiration and not for something to become, I think is super important. Passion changes, right? Like yeah. the things that we were might passionate about a couple of years ago are not going to be things that we're passionate about and pay attention to that. So you can bring these new things and put it in how you move and how you talk. And I say that a lot because 
you know, I, I am this way when I'm teaching, like I'm moving my hands, I get out of breath. It's just, it's just who I am and I'm, and I'm proud of it. But then, you know, I have these coworkers who are so gentle and, and slow moving and there is power in that too. So I think like, again, it's go, it goes back to like, what, it, what makes you excited? What, it, what makes you, you, mm-hmm. right. and then you got to deliver your content. That's Absolutely. right. And, you know, I mean, for you to even point out, because a lot of times as teachers, we think we have to have this very, oh, I've got to like music or I've got to like, um, right. you okay. know, uh, yeah, 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 like yeah. crafting or I, I've got to like something that really like it, it seems to easily fit within content. But I love that you said, no, I, I like to sit around a dinner table and have, have conversations. conversations with people. Yeah. That's yeah. something that I truly enjoy doing. And that is a piece, you know, to, for uh, teachers, that seems a little bit more abstract. Like, well, how do I bring that into my class? Mm-hmm. Music is kind of okay, I'm going to write some songs or I'm going to bring some, that seems more like, I guess, simplistically meshed with educational content, right? That's an easy, that's an easy out. Yeah. But I love that you said, but my thing is conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is so important for teachers to truly reflect on what is it that my passion is? Then I'll think about it's in the way that I posture myself. Like you said, it's in the way that I move. It's in the way that I speak. It's in the way that I interact with my kids. You know, I think we get too caught up in how does my passion intertwine with education? Well, if I'm a gardener, that really can't intertwine with education. Yeah, it can. Truly, anything. Mm -hmm. If you're into mechanics, if you're into Mm -hmm. what, I don't know, whatever it may be, podcast or whatever your interests are. Spelunking. Spelunking, Wade. (laughs) Yes, yes. I know what that word means, reading teachers. (laughs) Thank you for that. There is a way that you can intertwine it. And I think that you you do as you have done. You find your passion first, and then you Mm -hmm. say, now, how do I bring this to life? Even if it's not something that's specifically tied to an academic, it's in the way that I carry myself, Mm -hmm. the way that I care about my students, the way that I have conversations with them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also something to note that, that you said, I mean, you're talking about math and and those memories that stick with you on what you potentially struggled with in the past. Like they, they, they planted a seed, they took root and they'll always be there. But as a teacher, when you teach math, those are the things that pop up in your mind to say, Hey, I'm not, I don't want my students to feel this way about Mm -hmm. this strategy or these steps or whatever it is and whatever content you're teaching And that takes intentionality and that takes relationships and that takes being genuine and authentic and knowing your students and truly caring for your students. It takes conversation. It It does. Exactly what you said. You're able to use those conversations to then intertwine in the Mm -hmm. academic areas that they might be really not feeling or those that they really enjoy. But that's Mm -hmm. storytelling. Everything we just said, that's storytelling. Like every every teacher is a storyteller. Every teacher is a reading teacher. I don't care if you think you are or not. You are. It applies to everything. Like you you have got to understand what your students need and to comprehend. You have to understand what what they need to answer questions, solve problems, and then mm-hmm. also to apply those. Um and it's it is what it is. I mean, yeah. I'm getting excited now, guys. You're 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 you got weight excited, Juan. You really did something. Yeah, right. it's a good thing. Uh, especially up especially on this reading. late. Um, oh, this night. late. That's what it is. This because is... we're recording this podcast late for Wade. It's pa- way past his bedtime. Also. Nah, this is fun. <laughs> we, we'll just start talking about Power Rangers, right, Juan? Yes, let's do it. We'll be up all night. <laughs> who's Who's your favorite Power Ranger overall? I See, I knew if Power Rangers came up, you were going to ask me this. 
But to me, like, I have to tell you, it goes back to storytelling. The reason I love superhero stories is because superhero stories, it's not about one person. It's always about the team, right? Like, what does everyone bring to the table? And so some days I'm feeling like Jason, the Red Ranger, right? Like being the leader and figuring out the problems. And sometimes I'm Billy and I want to step back and I want to, like, figure out the problems. And so it's depending on the day. I love having an, an ensemble that I can identify with and seeing how that reminder for all of us, like we are not going to all figure it out on our own. We need a team. Right. Um, and that's why I love superhero stories. That's good stuff right there. Oh man. Can we just do part two right now? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We, we will have one back. Yes, we will. Seriously, just again, such good information just on authenticity, on how you show up as you and how you use your passion to ignite just good, exciting, solid instruction for your kids, but also how we can intertwine and weave just so many parts of who we are, you know, the things that make us truly who we Mm -hmm. are. And I think that's so valuable for kids to see. So Juan, because you do have to go back to school tomorrow. So we (laughs) want to let you get some good rest tonight, but we always leave it open to any guests that we have on the show just to leave the educators with anything that you want them to know or anything to inspire them or motivate them or whatever it may be. It could be specifically for the season that you're going through or something to do with um, what we talked about tonight. Yeah. Teachers, um, if you're listening to this, just know, like, if you need some motivation, I need you to know that everything is going to be okay. And, you know, I was talking with a, with a teacher that was a first year teacher and she was bringing up all the, the, the things that are getting in our way. Like, am I ever going to have a regular year? And my response to her was no. Like even in the in, even when there's a pandemic, even when we're facing weather issues, there's always something and we come out the other side. So find that passion to just excite you and get you motivated to make it to the very next day. And step by step, you'll get there. We'll get there. We're going to be OK. I mean, that is true truth. It's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. And nope, yeah. every year is not going to be like no such thing. a I, normal year. I can look back and yeah. I've never had a normal. Every, there's no, always never. been something, you know, that, uh, that anticipate the difficulties. Yeah. 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 So Juan, where can they I know we mentioned it a little right. bit earlier, but where can they find you follow along with your platforms or initiatives that you have going on? Yeah, so you can find, I stick to Instagram. You can find me at Teaching Third with Mr. G. And then any updates, things that I'm doing, um, that's where you'll find it first. And then it'll trickle elsewhere. But definitely check it out on Instagram, Teaching Third with Mr. G. Yes. And you can see him in person, actually, this summer. We're so excited to have Juan. He's going to be with us for our Level Up. So speaking of leveling up teaching, we have our Level Up virtual conference coming up on March 13th, which Juan will be a part of. And he's also going to be with us. We were just talking to him before the show got started about um, nationals. Yeah. This summer in Orlando in July. So you can find out all the information about those conferences yeah. at getyourteachon.com. But we're so excited to have Juan as a part of those. But Juan, thank you so much for sharing just so much valuable insight. Again, you know, I, I always am like, yes, to all things reading. But again, <laughs> I think that this, you know, the things that you talked about and the way that you use your passion inside yes. the classroom is something that's completely applicable to any educator and finding their mm-hmm. own passion and and the role that, that plays in instruction every single day. So thank you so, so much. Inspired, motivated, but then also just equipped with applicable tools. So thank you so much, Juan. Yes. And thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the new EDU. We hope that you have an incredible week. And, you know, if you didn't catch anything else from this episode, I think that, you know, the way that Juan wrapped it up, that it's going to be okay, teachers. You've got this. We've got you. We're all in this together. And we will see you back next Monday for another brand new episode right here at the new EDU. See you next time, everybody. 
The New EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller, with production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The New EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.